Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm your host, John Hare, and you've found the place where we talk all about horses. Thanks to everyone for their patience as we work through our new production schedule. I appreciate all the comments and emails about how much you enjoy the show. Today, we have a very exciting guest, French filmmaker and director of the just-released movie, The Mustang, Lord de Clément Tonnerre. If you're listening to this show, we know you love horses. Many of you have had some tough horses to deal with. It doesn't matter whether your horse was a wild Mustang or one of the domestic breeds. One thing we've probably all had to deal with is our relationship to the horse. The movie The Mustang takes this relationship to the limit with a prison inmate and a tough-as-nails wild horse. You know, back in August of 2017, we interviewed Joe Meisner, who runs the RCC Wild Horse Program for the Sacramento Sheriff's Office. We talked about the symbiotic relationship between the BLM Wild Horse Management and the prison system. In taking responsibility for the care and training of horses, these inmates learn not only horsemanship, but how their attitude, actions, and body language affects the world around them in both the horse world and the human world. The recidivism rate for inmates in the program is substantially lower than those in other programs. You would think more prisons would take advantage of this. In the movie The Mustang, a hardened, angry criminal just looking to do his time and get out is paired with a wild horse freshly plucked by the BLM and thrown into a prison system of his own. Now, it might be argued that neither the prisoner or the horse was doing anything other than what nature had taught them to do, but they both found themselves in the same predicament, stuck behind the prison fences. Could they rely on one another to help them work their way through the situation? Lord de Clement Tonnerre spent years researching and working on this script for this movie. We sat down over Skype on a recent afternoon and talked about what it was like making this film. Here's Lord de Clement Tonnerre on the Woe Podcast. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. So you could have told this story a half a dozen different ways. Horses are used to help with children with problems with physical therapy. They're used for post-traumatic stress disorder with veterans. Why did you choose the prison method to tell the story about your Mustang? Mm, you know, I was um, I was already diving into this field of animal therapy in prison um, when I did my short film Rabbit. And uh, I, I thought that like the combination of those uh, animals uh, in prison, like trying to repair man's soul, <laughs> it's offered so much beauty and poetry within this very aggressive uh, and, uh, and violent environment. And I, I love this contrast. I felt that it's such a narrative, morally and visual contrast that I wanted to tell the story in this specific environment. Um, because I thought it was a very unique perspective on a, a, a simple connection between a man and, a, and an animal. How difficult was it to use wild horses in the movie? We we had different kind of horses. We had wild horses, we had semi-wild, we had trained horses. The wild horses came from Nevada um, active prison, and we, we got them and we put them in um, in, in this main pen, so that we had 
them all the time, you know, on the background and on screen. We also worked with, I mean, we had the wild horses at the beginning of the shoot. Uh, we did some portrait of the Aniki uh, mountains. And you have like in, in Utah, you have like a group of wild mustangs living there in the wild. And so it's, I knew that I would have find them there. So I was doing all those portraits for the beginning of the film. And then we captured this roundup who happened in Utah as well. And then we... We, we used those white horses, uh, we worked with them on set, but they were always like in the background. We couldn't really, you know, um, expect uh, any of like deeper work with them, obviously, because they were completely untouched. But, but then we had like very well uh, trained horses who for specific scenes, like the storm scene or the kitchen scene, we couldn't have done the scenes with like, you know, with white horses. Right. Or with any of other, you know, horses that the trainer wouldn't know. So it was like the horses trainers, horses, and he knew them and he 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 trusted them for this for the scene, um, and to portray like the the character of Mar Marquis, we choose three identical horses. Um, one was a Mustang, completely wild, who we worked with only for the stunts scenes. Um, and from some other really early stage of connection. And uh, we use also uh, a young stallion, three-year-old, a Mustang as well, uh, to, to do this, the, you know, like the, the first steps before the first touch. And, uh, and because he had a much more, I would say, fearful behavior, mm -hmm. very skittish, and, um, and, and he, was, he was perfect for, you know, for the first um, uh, untouched moments. And then we had a very well-trained horse, an Andalusian horse, who did like all the second part of the film. It was actually the only one that Matthias could ride uh, because uh, the other one were unrideable. Uh -huh. So you used three separate horses to display three distinct personality traits of, of the horse you put together as Marquis. Absolutely. And to build the personality of Marquis, yes, who also like evolves and changes. Um, uh, uh, so we, yes, it's, I mean, I, I can see it, obviously, but I don't think no one does. Uh, so that's good. It, we watched the movie last week, and it was terrific, by the way, and we really enjoyed it. I couldn't really tell the difference between the three horses. You did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. Matthias looked great uh, around the horses, but I understand that the character of Henry, played by Jason, that he was terrified of horses. Yes, he was. He was terrified of horses. And, but he was very willing to, to learn. And so that's, you, you, you can barely feel that he's scared because he was uh, extremely brave and overcame all his fears. And uh, the horse trainer gave him a very nice horse to, to ride. So he was very uh, trustful. But yeah, the, he, he, he definitely needed um, some training. And did he have a transformation as the movie progressed as you filmed it? Yes, he did. He loved his horse and he was very, he was pretty fascinated by them. Actually, he was very intrigued because he didn't, never had really the opportunity to be so close of a horse for, for that long, you know, and, uh, and he got attached to them. He, he really, I could see him bonding with, with his horse and he was, 
yeah, he gets into, he wanted to know everything. He, he spent time brushing and grooming the horse. He was, he was very invested. Uh, he was curious. Yeah. And you picked the perfect grizzled old veteran in Bruce Dern playing uh, Miles, I think it was. Yes. My, I mean, Bruce Dern, I remember the first time we met, he had read the script very, very fastly, I have to say. He responded uh, like within a week and he was, he says, I, 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 Miles is a great character, but I'm funnier. So <laughs> I was like, welcome on board, Bruce. But he added so much jokes and so much sense of humor. He's, um, he, he was always surprising us, you know, like within takes, telling us all the stories or, you know, like improvising some lines. He, he was wonderful to, to work with. And also uh, he really, I mean, everyone was so humbled by him you know like he came on set and you could see like at the dynamic everyone was so careful was so uh, a little bit intimidated too and you felt that this man was kind of uh, such a legend man and actor and kind of got fathered us and uh, and was so yes very you know he I, I felt that he enjoyed it I think you could see just by watching the movie, he was having a good time. And he had a good time, yeah. It's great to see a movie like The Mustang come out. We had done a interview with Joe Meisner, who runs a program, the RCC program, up yes. around... Oh, you're familiar with Joe, right? I met, we met him twice. He was very, very helpful to us for the training. Matthias met him also and he i remember this moment where he um did a demonstration of horsemanship with a wild horse and matthias was there and he i i, I can i could see that he was absorbing so much from from joe what a wonderful horse trainer and horse or horseman it really amazes me how in the hands of a true professional like joe they can get a horse to change right before your eyes it's just truly amazing the the amount that these horses really want to please a human being if just given a chance yes absolutely uh there's something i mean it requests so much patience and and dear trust for those men and uh, the fact that the horse trainer pair the man and the horse together. He reads the mind of the horse. He reads the mind of the man and knows how to to create those odd uh, couples. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and 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 it's fascinating to see like this the, those those men who dedicate their life to to communicate their passion to to those men and uh, and and also kind of father them, guide them through all those steps of training. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I have a lot of admiration for, for Joe. And some of the actors that you had in the in the movie were graduates, uh, maybe not of Joe's program, but of the prison inmate horse training program. Absolutely. We had three men from this program. Uh, one of those, uh, Thomas Mito, 
he went through this program. He went to prison for 15 years, and then he went through the, the, the horse program, and he's now a horse trainer. And I met him a couple of years ago, and uh, no, actually more, four years ago. He was just freshly released from prison and trying still to figure out how he would just train horse and, and, and make a living out of working with horses. So uh, it was still a bit fragile at this time, and I told him that I was writing a part for him. I wanted him in, in the film because I thought that he was some, so charismatic and also there's something broken inside him and uh, very moving. And um, it was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I want to do it. And I was like, take your time. Think about it. No, no pressure, of course. And the time to shoot, I went back to him. I was like, Thomas, would you, would you like to do it? And he was like, yes, I'm ready. I want to do oh, it. Wow. I want to, I want to go. I want to come on board. So that was such a gift to have him because he brought so much truth and um, authenticity and also so much knowledge, you know, about, um, about the program. And, uh, and also we had two other men that I met while they were incarcerated. They were training horses in the program at the time. And I tracked them on Facebook. And uh, <laughs> once they were released, I sent them a message and said, look, we're finally making the film and it's going to be in Carson City. Uh, would you like to come on board and, and to be in the film? And they were absolutely, uh, we, we, we'd love to, to write again and to be part of this experience. So they, they came on board and they also worked as horse wranglers and they, and they, they were part of the, the group of writers. Now, the, set, the setting was fairly authentic. How did you guys set up the prison environment that's set in Nevada? So after researching for so many, so many weeks into this prison, I really went, wanted to anchor the film and the story in this visual landscape because it was so contrasted and those beautiful, explosive nature enveloping this uh, rigid and austere prison. I thought there was something very, very uh, spectacular, you know, being inside this prison and kind of like seeing all this nature around. So I knew that I wanted to do this film in Nevada, but it was very complicated to secure the prison location because we had this abandoned prison. And uh, for years, it was like, no, you can shoot there. Yes, you can. No, you can't. It was always changing depending on like the, um, a lot of different elements. Mm -hmm. So we finally <laughs> had a final word of approval three months before shooting. And it was so such a relief because I didn't see this story anywhere else. We explored other states, other places, but none of them was as much authentic and truthful and beautiful and that, that, that Nevada, that this place. And the fact that the program was born there, there were so many wild horses around and we had also all those former inmates living around. It, it was it was so, it was organically, uh, <laughs> uh, it had to be there. It, it was kind of one of the main characters. Did you guys build the horse pens and all the corrals that were there? If it was abandoned, you must have. We, we did, we built, we rebuilt everything. We rebuilt like the, I mean, not, not the, the prison, of course, but there was like this um, terrain just adjacent to the prison that we built the farm there identically at the image of the real one, you know, in the in the active prison. So we kind of like, you know, did our own um, 
blueprints of the, of the, 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 the farm and, uh, and we build it. Yeah. Wow. Now, a lot of my listeners know I've been studying uh, video production and storytelling. And in reading the production notes for the movie, you spent quite some time working out the story. Did you, were you working on this for four or five years, you said? Yes. Yes, because when I did my short film, it was in 2013. And then I decided to do the feature film. Uh, I, the first draft was written on the on 2014, and uh, and the lab of the Sundance Lab started in January 2015. So yes, it's been now five years that I'm exploring those um those those those, those fields, you know, those those questions. What was the toughest part of writing this screenplay? So I remember that the first draft because I was not enough involved in the research it was the early 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 beginning uh it was um a lot of plots unnecessary plots mm -hmm. that, uh, and i felt that as i was le learning about the subject spending time immersed myself into this world i got rid of a lot of artificial elements that uh, was absolutely not trustful or useful or you know and i think that the point of view uh, as I also deepened the story and the characters and researched more and more, the, the point of view of the character became much more tight, much more visceral, much more uh, internal. And yes, it really matured through the draft as I was like, you know, feeding the story with, with details, with flesh, with, with cinematic elements, with a lot of truth. So that's how it really got deepened and, uh, and, uh, and, and more authentic. But yeah, I had to I had to get rid of a lot of things. Yeah, I think that one of the things a lot of horse people will appreciate about the movie is that one, if if you're a horse person, you have this connection that the inmate is trying to to connect with the horse. But the movie's very sparse on on dialogue. There's a lot of going on between the horse and the main character, Roman, if you've worked at training a horse, you know that conversation sometimes just is a bunch of noise to the horse. And that's body language that really is everything. And I thought you captured this very well in the movie. Uh, thank you so much. This is exactly why I wanted to tell this story. Because when I went there and I observed the different steps of training, there is something so poetic about this dance of between the horse and the man, this invisible dialogues of these two creatures trying to build trust and respect and really cautiously eventually trying to touch each other and to bond. And I, I, I thought that it, because there was no word, because, uh, and there's no judgment and no lies, uh, I could see a very physical transformation in the body language of both of them you know like getting used to them and days after days getting like humbled i mean the man getting humbled by the by the horse and, right. and, and learning patience and i i thought there was a beautiful physical transformation that's actually affecting your mind and your spirit and you know emotionally you're repaired and then your soul is getting repaired 
Yeah. Very, very therapeutic. Well, I, because I have my own podcast, I usually like to ask one selfish question. And I'm working in my class right now, we're working on storyboards. I have to storyboard my film. Can you give me any tips on how to do that? <laughs> I, I never worked on storyboarding. I never, I, di I didn't storyboard my film at all. Um, so I, uh, yes, it's not, it's not a tool that I use. Uh, I use pictures. <laughs> I take uh -huh. a lot of pictures. Uh, I take pictures of angles. I talk, I work a lot with the DP uh, to 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 build a, a strong shot list mm -hmm. that can also completely change on the day. It's uh, I have definitely like strong defined ideas in mind, but I'm also open to changes and to uh, unpredictability. You know, depending on the day. Um, Maybe one day I'll work with storyboard, but I didn't feel the the, 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 the need. I didn't need it. Right. Now, I think sometimes when you work with animals, they they tend to laugh at storyboards and <laughs> just, oh, you want me to do what? Well, I'm not going to do that right now. Yes, and also because it's so, you know, you can't, I mean, I knew we had such a great dialogue with Ruben, my DP, that we understood where we wanted. We, we rehearsed with the horses previously, so we had like a, a very, and also we adapted so much on the horse's behavior that I knew I was handheld. So handheld is, is a little bit more loose. Right. So you don't, you don't, you know, it was, um, there is some choreography, but there is some also, magical elements that I just wanted to capture. Now, it's really been great to see that you've brought awareness to the, the American Mustang and how many are still out in the wild. But not only that, but how many are still in captivity that really are probably going to spend their lives in captivity. Yes, this is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very affected by the fact that so many horses are spending the rest of their life in holding facilities, which means in prison, without being adopted, because wide, they are no interest for no one, and trained, they're definitely interesting. So I feel that uh, I love those prison programs, and I wish they could do also program upon inmates' release with those uh, horses who, who need trainer, and those men, upon their release, they are very vulnerable it's very easy for them to relapse and to go back to the bad habits. And I feel that if like a, there's maybe a way to create a, a half house, halfway house system where men upon the release can still train, can keep deepening their training and their learning and, 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 and train those horses who need trainers, absolutely need them to, to be adopted. So, uh, and there's hundreds and hundreds of horses waiting for nothing in those holding facilities. So the, I, I, I feel that there's definitely room to expand this program, not only inside the prison, but also outside of the prison. Well, thank you so much for your, uh, your passion for horses and the movies coming out on March 15th. It's the Mustang. Thank you. And definitely passionate about it. And uh, I hope that... Uh, as many people as possible are going to see the Mustang. And uh, and I wish that they're going to be uh, deeply passionate as I am. <laughs> I know they will, but I know if they watch it, they will be, they, they will thoroughly enjoy it, just like my wife and I did. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Laura. Bye-bye. That'll do it for another show. 
Thanks to Lord de Clement-Tonnerre for sharing her time. The Mustang was released last Friday, and I know you'll enjoy watching it. Also, check out the BLM website and learn more about their Wild Horse and Burrow program. There are far too many horses in this country that will spend their entire lives behind the fences of holding facilities. That's just not right. You know, you can find all the links for this show at wopodcast.com. You can find past episodes there too. The Woe Podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else you might find your podcast. Click subscribe and you'll never miss an episode just like magic. If you'd like to support the show, I've set up a Patreon page and you can donate as much or as little as you like. The Woe Podcast is produced, edited, and managed solely by us, John and Renee. You know, hey, save your money. Instead of clicking on the Patreon page, how about you review the podcast on iTunes or wherever? That will do so much more for the show. Just do that. Unless you have more money than time, then do the Patreon thing. I promise we won't turn you down. If you have an idea for the show, and eh, they'll be coming out about once in a while now, drop me a line at john at wopodcast.com. I love hearing from you guys. Let me know what you'd like to hear on the show. So until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.